got over 20 nations represented in our in our uh, church and then also so so either immigrants or secondly um, they're revising the history of the United States as according to when the history books are written so I thought I'd just go back tonight I found a really good article written by Dr. Eddie Hyatt and it's on the overt Christian history of the American Thanksgiving I mentioned this Sunday when you when you travel I mean all the other nations of the world they look they look with interest at America and how we worship and thank God and uh, during this holiday time called Thanksgiving. We're the only nation that celebrates Thanksgiving. So I want to give the history of that and I think it'll be illuminating. Some of these things you are, may already know, but we all need to be refreshed, right? So uh, here we are. America's national uh, Thanksgiving holiday is rooted in the nation's Christian origins and the habit of its first immigrants to set aside special days for giving thanks to God for his goodness and blessing. This custom can be traced back to the pilgrims who landed at Cape Cod in November of 1620, who periodically would set aside days in which to offer gratitude to God for his mercy and blessings. This custom was carried on by succeeding generations and found its way into the national consciousness and calendar. The pilgrims who landed on Cape Cod in November of 1620 were devout followers of Christ who had left the comforts of home, family, and friends to pursue their vision of a renewed and reformed Christianity. They were not whiners, but chose to maintain an attitude of gratitude even through the most trying times, such as the winter of 1620 to 1621 when sickness ravaged their community and half of them, about 50, were taken away in death. The first Thanksgiving was celebrated by the pilgrims as they gathered their harvest in the fall of 1621, about one year after their landing at Cape Cod. Although their hearts were still heavy from the losses suffered the previous winter by those that had died, there were at least three areas for which they felt particularly grateful to God. Number one, with the arrival of spring, the sickness that had immobilized the community and taken many of them in death had lifted, their health returned, and although sad from their losses, they were able to apply themselves to carving out a home in the New England wilderness. Secondly, with the arrival of spring, God providentially sent them to them an English-speaking Native American, Squanto, who became their interpreter and guide, helping them establish friendly um, relations with Massasoit, chief of the Wampanoag, the nearest and most powerful tribe in the region. In March of 1621, they had signed an agreement of peace and mutual aid with Massasoit, which resulted in both peoples moving freely back and forth in friendship and trade. Three, through hard work and Squanto's advice about farming and fishing, they were mostly townspeople and craftsmen from where they're from. They experienced abundant harvests during the summer and fall of 1621. Even though they still felt the loss of so many friends and family members, they could see God's hand of mercy sustaining them in the preceding months. So after gathering in, in their fall harvest, which was abundant, Governor William Bradford designated a day of thanksgiving, during uh, which they would pause to offer offer up thanks to God for his mercy and blessings. They were not whiners. They knew what it meant to count their blessings. Uh, the first Thanksgiving was attended by uh, an approximate equal number of uh, English pilgrims and uh, Native Americans. I think there were about 90 uh, pilgrims, maybe 50, 60, 70 uh, um, 
uh, of the other. Uh, and it goes on to say here, after Governor Bradford announced the day of Thanksgiving, word of the event soon spread to their Native American friends. So when the day arrived, not only were uh, were there individual natives on hand, but Massasoit arrived with 90 of his people and five dressed deer to add to the meals the pilgrims had prepared. The pilgrims did not seek to force their faith on the Indians, but neither did they hide their faith. After all, in the Mayflower Compact, they had stated that they had come to the new world for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. How many know that's the reason this nation was founded? They were people looking for religious freedom. One can only imagine the emotions that filled their hearts as in the presence of their new native friends, American friends, they joined Elder William Brewster in lifting up their hearts in praise and thanksgiving to God. The day turned out to be more than they could have imagined. Not only did they enjoy meals together with thankful hearts, but they engaged in shooting matches, foot races, and wrestling matches. It was such an enjoyable time that the one day of thanksgiving was extended for three full days. And yes, it's almost certain that there was turkey at the first Thanksgiving. For Governor Bradford had sent out four men to hunt for, quote, fowl, um, who returned with enough fowl to last them an entire week. That fowl was turkey. Uh, the next recorded Thanksgiving Day among pilgrims was celebrated in the fall of 1623 after a remarkable answer to prayer uh, that saved their harvests. Governor Bradford tells how the summer of 1623 was unusually hot with no rain whatsoever. And the blazings, as the blazing sun beat down day after day, the land became parched and the corn, their primary staple, began to dry up along with other vegetables they had planted. Alone in the New England wilderness, it looked as though hunger would be their lot in the days ahead, maybe starvation. It was a very critical moment in time. Facing such drought and bleak conditions, Bradford called the Plymouth Settlement to a day of humiliation and prayer. By humiliation, he did not mean a groveling or self-flagellation, but a recognition and repentance for human tendency to trust in one's own human strength and ability rather than in God. Their day of humiliation and prayer began like many preceding days, very hot with not a single cloud in the sky. But before the day was over, God gave them, Bradford said, a gracious and speedy answer, both to their own, uh, to their own and the Indians' admiration that lived amongst them. Bradford goes on to say, for all the morning and the greatest part of the day, was clear weather and very hot and not a cloud or any sign of rain to be seen. Yet toward the evening it began to overcast and shortly after to rain with such sweet and gentle showers as gave them cause of rejoicing and blessing. It came without wind or thunder or any violence and by degrees in that abundance as the earth was thoroughly wet and soaked which did so apparently revive and quicken the dead De, uh, decayed corn and other fruits as was wonderful to see and made the Indians astonished to behold. And afterwards the Lord sent such seasonable showers with interchange of fair weather as through his blessing caused a fruitful and liberal harvest uh, to their no small comfort and rejoicing for which mercy and time convenient they also set apart a day of thanksgiving. Uh, these days of thanksgiving were observed by succeeding generations um, but at various times in different places as deemed appropriate and necessary by the local inhabitants. As the colonists began to form themselves into a nation, these days of thanksgiving began to be nationalized and made part 
of the national consciousness and calendar. For example, the Continental Congress, which met between 1774 and 1789, issued calls for days of humiliation, prayer, and thanksgiving. The first one was to be observed on November 28, 1782. The proclamation reads in part, it being the indispensable duty of all nations, not only to offer up their supplications to Almighty God, the giver of all good for His gracious assistance in times of distress, but also in a solemn and public manner to give Him praise for His goodness in general and especially for great and signal interpositions of His providence in their behalf. Therefore, the United States in Congress assembled do hereby recommend to the inhabitants of these states in general to observe and request the several states to interpose their authority in appointing and commanding the observance of Thursday, the 28th day of November, the, the next as a day of solemn thanksgiving to God for all His mercies. And they do further recommend to all the ranks to testify their gratitude to God for His goodness by a cheerful obedience to His laws and by promoting each in His station and by His influence the practice of true and undefiled religion which is the great foundation of public prosperity and national happiness. Can you believe the federal government issued that? Isn't that amazing? Shortly after being sworn in as president, George Washington issued a proclamation designating November 26, 1789 as a day of thanksgiving wherein all citizens should offer gratitude to God for his protection care, and many blessings. It was the first Thanksgiving Day designated by the new national government of the United States. The proclamation reads in part, whereas it is the duty of nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and to humbly employ His protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. There, now, therefore, I do recommend and assign, and assign Thursday, the 26th the day of November, next to be, de be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country. And also that we may then unite in most humbly offering our prayers and supplications to the great Lord and ruler of nations and beseech him to pardon our national and other transgressions to enable us all, whether in public or private stations, to perform our several and relative duties properly and punctually to render our national government a blessing to all the people by constantly being a government of wise, just, and constitutional laws discreetly and faithfully executed and obeyed and to protect and guide all sovereign nations, especially such as have shown kindness unto us and to bless them 
with good government, peace, and concord. Given under my hand at the city of New York the third day of October in the year of our Lord, 1789. A day of thanksgiving to be observed on the last Thursday in November was proclaimed by Abraham Lincoln in 1863 in the midst of civil war. In spite of the fact that the nation was at war, Lincoln enumerated the many reasons the inhabitants of America had to be thankful to God. He wrote, a day of thanksgiving, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. I, I, I skipped something. No human counsel, here's what he said. No human counsel hath devised nor hath mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath nevertheless remembered mercy. It has seemed fit to me and proper that these blessings should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged with all one heart and voice by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who sojourn in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions justly due to him, such singular deliverances and blessings, they do also with humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience, commend to his tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged, and fervently implore the interposition of the Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of the nation and restore it as soon as may be consistent with the divine purposes to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. The final Thursday in November set by President Lincoln continued to be observed Thanksgiving until December 26th 1941, when President Franklin D. Roosevelt signed a joint resolution of Congress changing the National Thanksgiving Day from the last Thursday in November to the fourth Thursday. And then uh, Dr. Hyatt concludes, examining the history and development of our Thanksgiving holiday makes us realize how far as a nation we have removed ourselves from the Christian worldview and faith of our fathers. This Thanksgiving day, our president will go through a silly formality and pardon a turkey. But the depths of faith seen in earlier proclamations, such as those by Washington and Lincoln, is glaringly missing. This is why we must pray for another great spiritual awakening in our land. In spite of the fact that Thanksgiving has become secularized and commercialized, we as Christians must never forget that the day is rooted in the commitment of our forefathers and foremothers to maintain a thankful heart even through the most painful and challenging times. So this Thanksgiving, let's count our blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Isn't that good? So I thought it was a good article. It's always good to remember where we're from and what God has done. Can we pray a minute? While I was reading, a spirit of prayer came on me. Lord, many in this room were born here. We're natives of this soil. Others are immigrants from other countries. None of us have anything to brag or boast about. You said in your word, he that boasts, let him boast in the Lord. Lord, we can't uh, brag on our education, our skill, our abilities. 
We can only brag on you. Lord, our country is in trouble. My heart is deeply challenged, as we all are, because we live here day after day, and we see and hear such things as it seems we should never hear happening in all 50 states, happening in our federal government, happening between men and women, happening to our children, the things that are happening to our families. Lord, these things should not be. And Lord, we come before you and we humble ourselves. And Lord, we humble ourselves as the people of God. We stand between the living and the dead. We stand between those that are spiritually alive and those that are spiritually dead. We stand between heaven and earth. And Lord, we grab a hold of you by faith. And Lord, we stand tonight and ask forgiveness for the sins of the United States of America. Lord, we ask you to forgive us for pushing you out of our educational processes. We ask you to forgive us for taking your word and laying it aside and, and treating it as, as though it were a common book. Lord, we ask forgiveness for grieving the Holy Spirit with how we have acted and treated one another. Lord, we ask forgiveness for all of the many sins of our nations, the sin, our nation, the sins that we've exported. Lord, we ask forgiveness for the millions and millions of babies that have been aborted under our watch as the church. Lord, we ask forgiveness for the murders, for the thefts. Lord, we ask forgiveness for all of the sexual promiscuity. Lord, we ask forgiveness for our Supreme Court in 2015, uh, giving honor to same-sex unions, the honor that you only gave to a marriage between a man and a woman. Lord, we lay these things before your throne. We are guilty of these things. Lord, we ask forgiveness as the church of the Lord Jesus in this nation. We ask forgiveness, dear Father God. This happened on our watch. We should be watchmen upon the walls, as, as Jeremiah said. Those that labor, those that watch, and those that labor over our country and nation spiritually, keeping us from the, from the things that would destroy us, and we've not done a good job. And Lord, you lay the responsibility at our feet. So we come tonight again small portion of the family in our nation, the church of the Lord Jesus, we ask forgiveness. We ask you to forgive us for abandoning our watch for this nation. We ask you to forgive us for participating in any of the above mentioned sin. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name, not for judgment, we ask for mercy. And as our brother we just read, Lord, he mentioned another great awakening. Lord, let it come. Could it be that in your purposes and plans, though judgment must come for divine justice to be, to be fair, Lord, can it be that mercy, that mercy rejoices against judgment? Could it be, dear Father God, in the midst of what is to come, there will be a great revival in this land? Could it be that you'll move by your spirit here once again? Could it be that you'll hear us? Could it be that you'll answer us? Could it be that you come freshly upon your people in a spirit of humility and weeping and repentance? And Lord, could it be that we export this to the people around us? Could it be in the days and weeks and months and years to come, there is coming yet 
another great move of the Spirit of God in this land. Oh, dear Father God, let it be, and dear Father God, let it come. Let us not forget the blessings that come from your hands in the name of Jesus. Lord, we humble ourselves this Thanksgiving. Lord, we pray for our government. Lord, we pray for our congressmen. We pray for our senators, the men and women that serve us as our representatives. And Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that the wisdom of God would be granted them. Lord, let those that know your name that work in the halls of government, let them surround the representatives, the congressmen, the senators, the Supreme Court justices, the lawyers, the leaders of our land, in the name of Jesus, those that hold cabinet offices. We pray for Donald Trump. We pray for Mike Pence. Lord, we pray for our government. Let the mercy of God prevail upon us once again in the name of Jesus. And we bind the demonic forces that are seeking to absolutely tear every thread of the unity of this nation apart. We bind you in Jesus' name. How many agree with me? Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus over the government of this nation. Let the hand of the Lord move yet once again in Jesus' name. Let us see the miraculous power of God in the name of Jesus. Let there once again come a unity. It won't be a physical unity. It'll be a spiritual unity. And on the heels of the church, uniting together once again to call on your name. Lord, let there be another great awakening. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just give you thanks. Glory. Well, that felt good anyway. Hallelujah. One more thing I want to share. Everybody good? I've got a couple of things here I, uh, I had in my notes. Let me see if I can get... Oh, here we go. I, uh, I read this Sunday, but this is... Uh, so good, you know, over the years of my life, I, uh, I've known Jesus. I'm into my 44th year of walking with God. I've been to a number of churches. You know, Susan, I've moved around going to Bible school. Lived in Tulsa for eight years almost. And pastored churches, started churches, had a traveling ministry. I was associate pastor of a church and then I came here. And all the churches I've been in, I've seen it as a pattern. I can think back in my Bible school days in my late teens and early 20s, uh, just all the people I've been around, so many people would come to the Lord. I've seen people whose lives were shattered and broken, who had nothing, who, who because of uh, addictions and just because of the flesh and, and just because of self-centeredness. I mean, just lost so much in life and came to God broken and weary and Jesus restored their life and, and God began to bless them and God began to prosper them. But y'all, I've seen it. I've seen it from the pastoral standpoint. I've watched people come into the various churches I've been a part of. I've seen them come into this church and God has blessed them. God has answered prayer. God's uh, graciously forgiven and cleansed their past, their sins. God began to bless and prosper. And here is a problem. Here is a problem with the human race. We have a tendency to get lifted up in pride and forget the goodness of God. When he does bless us, when he does prosper us, you know, when the circumstances just kind of abate and life gets a little bit easier, we often forget who blessed our lives. And it's always been that way. That's the history of the human race. God had to encourage the Israelites through, through Moses uh, that when they went into Canaan's land and when God blessed them, when their animals prospered, when their crops prospered, when their houses were beautiful and big and their olive groves prospered and everything was wonderful and life was grand. 
And he had to encourage them not to forget the Lord. That's the tendency we all have. There are people probably watching or you're in the room and, and God has blessed your life. It's not like it used to be. Financially, you're better off than you were. Things seem to be going well. You know, circumstantially, things aren't as tough as they were. Or you may be in a process right now where things are terrible and horrible and you're believing God for the next meal or, or things aren't good relationally and you're struggling, you're challenged and you're experiencing changes. Regardless of whether you're doing well or you're challenged, how many know we all need to trust the goodness of God? And God had to encourage the Israelites. I read this Sunday morning, but I like it so much I want to read it again. And this is Moses' challenge to the Israelites when they came into the land, that they don't forget the Lord. And I think it's so good and it's so appropriate now for America. We're desperate. I mean, we're living right now in, a, in prosperity. People have jobs. Businesses are growing. Everywhere you look in the triangle here, the roads are expanding. They're building new housing additions. People are, you know, businesses are exploding. I talked to somebody a couple of days ago. They said they're business is exploding and things are happening but we need not ever forget from whence our blessings flow so Deuteronomy 8 10 through 18 when you have eaten your fill be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you but that is the time to be careful Moses said beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands regulations and decrees that I'm giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God uh, who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget that he led you through that great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions where it was so hot and dry how many know uh, you know they went through the wilderness for almost 40 years you know it's good to go back through the decades of your life as you age and go back and remember what God has done for you many times in my life in my private prayer time I say Lord when I was when I was young and I could have died in an accident or for me I could have dry, died from a drug overdose or or Lord this catastrophe catastrophe could have happened or Lord you provided finances you provided a job you worked things out you sovereignly moved you made a way when things looked hopeless thank you thank you how many know we all need to do that and that's what Moses was encouraging them to do he said he gave you water from the rock verse 16 he fed you with manna in the wilderness a food unknown to your ancestors he did this to humble you and test you for your own good he did all this so you would never say to yourself I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. How many know pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall? Then he says, verse 18, remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful. In order to fulfill the covenant, he has confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. In Romans chapter 1, the apostle Paul uh, it was challenging the church because of, of the sins of mankind in general. And he mentioned why challenges come. It's because we became thankless. Listen again, Romans 1, 18 through 21. This is English Standard Version. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress truth. That's happening today, y'all. For what can be known about God is plain to them. 
because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. Uh, so they are without excuse for all they, they knew God. And here's what he says happened. They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. They forgot to be thankful to God. When you, when, you, when you become a thankless person, you become a sinful person. And that's what he brought out. So how many know we need to be grateful and thankful for what God's given? Here's some scriptures that have to do with us being thankful for what God has done and has given our lives. Psalm 50 verse 14, offer to God thanksgiving. Pay your vows to the Most High. Psalm 92, verse 1. It's good to give thanks to the Lord. To sing praises to your name, O Most High. Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. Bless his name. Psalm 105. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Psalm 107. 1 and 2. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for his good, for his mercies endure forever. We just sang it. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom the Lord has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Ephesians 5 verse 20. Give thank, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Colossians 1, 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Colossians 2, 6 and 7, as you therefore receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Colossians 3.15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you're also called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians 4.2, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. And then 1 Thessalonians 5.18, amplified New Testament, thank God in everything, no matter what the circumstances may be. Be thankful and give thanks, for this is the will of God for you who are in Christ Jesus, the revealer and mediator of that will. And then lastly, Hebrews 13, 15, therefore, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So let me encourage you, sometime during the next few days, I'm going to do it. I encourage you to, whether it's going to take a walk or getting in a room alone where, or taking a drive, whatever you've got to do to get by yourself for a few minutes, go through the decades of your life and thank God for his provision, for his goodness. Thank God for his health. Thank him for watching over you and helping you. Maybe you're in a tough time right now. and Life is not like you want it to be. Thank him in advance for delivering you and helping you. Maybe you've gone through some life changes. Some people have a really hard time during the holiday seasons because, uh, uh, because they've had a relationship that has ended. Maybe it's a divorce or maybe they have someone in their family that's died and the memory of that lingers, lingers, lingers and, and, and it brings a, a sense of depression or, or loneliness to them. Uh, how many know we need to take these things to the Lord? Because in the middle of all of our, our pain, God is always still good. And you know, I'm challenged. I'm challenged often with all kinds of things. And you know, God keeps reminding me that Jesus himself, 
He was despised by others. People didn't understand him. He was constantly uh, misunderstood, misspoke about, lied about, vilified, marginalized, set aside. He did that for me and you, and we're to follow the example. So regardless, you may be in relationships that aren't like you want them to be. Jesus often, often wasn't loved by the very people that he came to save, but you know what? He loved them anyway. So I encourage you to get along with the Lord and pour your heart out. If you, if you have personal emotional pain, I can tell you from personal experience, God is a healer. And he knows how to get to the bottom of where you live. If you'll pour your heart out and get real with him, you know what? You'll find mercy and grace to help you in your time of need.